0: Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the My Toughest Placement series here on the Coffee with a Recruiter podcast, where I ask recruiters, What's your toughest placement been? Today, we're speaking with April Williams. April is a talented and qualified HR professional and the host of Candid Conversations, a weekly podcast about HR and self development. April sits down with us to discuss her experience going through redundancy, her podcast, and of course, how she filled her toughest role ever, a head of people role. Cool, cool, cool. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> How are you, <laughs> April? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you for taking the time to to do the podcast with me. And I really wanted to get you on the podcast because, I mean we've we've worked together in the past. Um, we've been colleagues, but your just your career history is is so interesting. And currently, what you're doing with with Can that is uh, really a, an interesting story that I wanted to dive into. And yeah. uh, I know you've you've had your challenges, you've overcome your challenges in the past. So I really wanted to go into any specific examples of tricky placements, tricky projects, and how you handle those challenges in order to get the job done. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Well, I'm almost calling you Candid for some reason, like Candid, <laughs> can you tell me? So I really need to need to think about that. But yeah, April, well, can you? Sorry, continue? Candid is
1: what I am. So, yeah, um, yeah cool. We Candid. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I guess, first of all, like you said, we've worked together, which it was great working with you. Um, my background is definitely not your typical recruiter's background. I, as most people, fell into recruitment, but I fell mm. into recruitment through HR. So typically all my roles were you know, head of people roles, people lead roles where recruitment was part of what I did Um, and I got to a point of my career where it was like I can either go forward and you know try and get VP of people and people director and etc or I can actually try and master one of my skill sets so recruitment was one of them that I really wanted to master because I liked you know the interaction that I had with candidates and also that feeling that you've helped someone progress in their own career was a great opportunity for me so I guess when we worked together that was the time in my career where I decided that recruitment was something I wanted to do but it sounded a bit crazy for most people that have worked in recruitment for many yeah. years like why would you want to do that now <laughs> um, but I, I I I wanted I wanted a challenge um, and Candid Candid is a is, is a podcast as well it's also a platform. Um, I guess Candid came about because, especially during these times, I've seen a lot of companies um, just not treating their staff well when it comes to communication and how they're, you know, relating, relaying comms to their team through redundancies and et cetera. Um, so as a HR professional, I felt like it was my duty to actually speak the truth um, and let people know the truth behind um, what their companies are telling them. So the first season of Candid is all about redundancies, how to prepare for redundancies, what you should consider if you're going through a consultation process, and also how to bounce back and get yourself back into a really difficult market right now. So that's what Candid's all about. I guess anyone that wants to check it out can follow me at, on Instagram at wearecandid. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell
0: we briefly discussed the effects of poor communications during our redundancy process and how to communicate properly as a company
1: yeah no totally i for me i'm a big believer in, in it's not what you say it's how you say it and we're all going through this change process at the moment. And some of us are going at it at different stages. But what I'm finding is that some companies are doing comms really well. And some companies are just not getting it right in terms of not being honest with their staff and also not being human. And that's the most important thing right now is to be human and to be open and honest and say, like, look, we are struggling with X, Y, and Z. Um, And this is how we're going to get through the other side. Now, we may not have all the answers, but actually we want to let you guys know where we are right now and what our plans are for even the next 30 days, next 60 days, next 90 days. And when it comes to redundancies as well, a lot of companies are just almost coming to their staff with a script and are just reading (laughs) the script and (laughs) that's it, like see you later. And I feel that, you know, during these times, especially if you as a company has taken the time to build your employer branding and your employee value proposition, this is a great opportunity to actually show what you guys mean as a company, right? So companies that are saying that they really value their staff, they're all about teamwork, now is the time to show it through your comms. How are we a team? You know, how do you value us as your employees? Is it just we're just collateral damage and you're just getting rid of us? Or actually you care about the work that we have provided during you know before COVID um and are saying you know due to COVID this is what's happening so it's not about you as a person but it's just about your role in that we can't have this role in our company moving forward doesn't mean you have to be kind of robotic about it (laughs) Um, which a lot of companies are doing right now so yeah I feel like That was an important topic to touch on. And this week I had a guest on the podcast who's a global communications manager. And she really delved into deeper about it. And one of her greatest advice actually was that companies need to take the time to listen. That's the first thing when it comes to comms, is listen to what your employees are saying.
0: What are the consequences of poor communications during a redundancy process?
1: It's not even just thinking about the people that will join your company in the future. It's also thinking about your current employees that are left behind. Yep. So, you know, as a company, if you're going through a, a redundancy process and your comms has just not been as effective as they could be, and you didn't really show your company's values and what you guys really stand for as a team, what you you tend to be left with is disgruntled employees after uh, a redundancy process and yes you might have got rid of some of your staff but you still have people that are in-house that are looking at you and thinking you didn't really handle that well with my fellow employee um, my fellow colleague um i don't know if this is the right place for me anymore right just like you said um so it's it's really about thinking post redundancies and how you're actually even going to communicate that with the employees that are still with you um that really i think that's even the most important bit as well because you can live a bit of taste in your employees um feelings and guys we're, we're trying to rebuild an economy again mm-hmm. and if, if your employees are disgruntled you're not going to get the best out of them you know so yeah it's, it's definitely an important thing to think about comms
0: comms is really important that's so true. And I guess just to come back to Candid, so just to just to go through some things. So what can we expect in terms of content in the near future? I know you had a an interview recently. Um, any particular new series or new areas you're going to tackle?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So um The next season, we're still talking about redundancies, but we're really looking at how we can support each other going into a new job market that is really difficult right now. So there'll Mm -hmm. be a season on um, focusing on recent graduates who have just come into the market and it's really tough and they have no experience. So they're really kind of against people in the market that have been there and done that already and have the credentials behind them. So that's the topic that we'll delve into. Another topic we'll delve into is the employee engagement side. Um, So how do you now re-engage your employees um, to your new vision? And that's a really important thing. And that really kind of covers communication as well. So those are the two topics that are coming up. And I guess for Candid for the next three to four months, we're gonna be on this journey with everyone who is either going through redundancy or is currently being furloughed, or if you're being phased back into work. I just want to be able to provide that content for all three different types of people, just to ensure that everyone is getting to where they need to be post-COVID. Uh, I mean, we're still in this pandemic, and they're on the horizon. There may be another lockdown. Um, so these are things to consider. So there will be content around that as well. I've recently been made redundant, but I've, I've taken the opportunity to go, okay, what, what skills do I have and what can I offer to the market right now? And the best thing I can do is give advice. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that, that's the best way to be candid is to be honest <laughs> and share my own experience that would hopefully um, empower others. So yeah.
0: The goal of her podcast and series is to give advice to those in need, be it HR, talent acquisition, or people made redundant. But one thing I was also curious about was why the name Candid?
1: Uh, so that, that's an interesting one, actually. So the name really came about, I I had three different names. So the first name was Take Notes of April. <laughs> like, well, that's, but, but that's all about me, right? It's like, yeah. well, you don't know who I am, so what the hell? Um, but Candid really came about because my other half asked me to write down um, Words that I think describe me, and he mm-hmm. also did the same. And one of the words that we both wrote on the piece of paper was candid, and I was like, Oh, um, am I that honest? Wow, okay. <laughs> um, and he said, Yeah, you, you are really honest, but you do it with a smile. Um, so when you write down the word candid, it, it breaks it down into two words, I like can and did, yeah, and that really influenced me actually to to go ahead and use that name because it's all about me sharing what I question myself about how can I do this mm-hmm. and actually share my experience of how I did it. Um, and it was actually reinforced when I spoke to a colleague of mine and who's also a good friend who helped me with the branding. Um, and she wrote it down and she was like, yeah, this is it. This this, this is the title. This is, yeah. this is so new. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's close people around me just,
0: telling me who I really am <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah. You, you have a good reason to choose that name and that has a good background story you know when yeah. I was just picking my podcast name and there's yeah. literally no inspiring story behind it it's just <laughs> I just like drinking coffee all the time <laughs> and second of all it's like you know how people say like candidates say oh I'm gonna go have coffee with a recruiter it's like, okay, yes. oh, that's that's a thing. People say that, right? So, you know. But yeah. Yeah, there's no, like yeah no deep story, no deep morale sort of message. There's just, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's oh, no, 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 don't be. I mean, it's um no, it's uh, I like I like the name. Yeah, it's um and I think we really need People that, 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 that don't try to sugarcoat things or don't try to try to be corporate and, and sort of brand friendly, but, you know, just, just people that are honest and transparent about issues in, in the industry.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've worked in HR for many years now. And a few of my colleagues, actually, most of my colleagues, let's be real now, because we are honest, <laughs> um, sugarcoat a lot of things. And it really just winds me up. Why yeah. are we sugarcoating something? for example, if someone was to let somebody go they have used all the beautiful adjectives they can just just tell me tell me what it is
0: mm, Tell me yeah.
1: that you're letting me go. give me the reasons why you're letting me go and give me the information that would let me understand your informed decision let's just be let's just be honest. why do we have to sugarcoat everything? yeah <laughs> um, Absolutely. so yeah that I guess. That's what I'm trying to do on my platform is just debunk all this sugarcoating stuff. And let's just speak the truth. Let's just be
0: honest. Come on. Candid story left me thinking about how I should have chosen a better name for my podcast. April is really the type of honest and transparent voice we need in this industry. And she didn't hold back on how her toughest whirlwind of a placement went. I asked her, what's your toughest placement been?
1: So I guess the role, you know, the title of the role essentially is not a tough one, but it is at the same time. So one of my clients asked me to recruit for a head of people. Um, Now, they were a small business, about 20, 30 people there, and they really wanted somebody who was top, like creme de la creme. They were looking for a unicorn. They were looking for somebody who was... know really well known in the tech space as a HR specialist um, who had a background in organizational psychology um, but also would be able to be hands-on
0: so just on just on that point how did the role come in like how did it start like you were working with them and then they were like oh what what prompted the need for a head of people
1: Yeah, so they had just um, required another round of funding. So they had just gone through their Series B funding um, and realised that they wanted to scale. So they felt like they didn't have the HR policies in place um, to help them scale. So that's where the role came about. I was actually uh, contracted to work on that role. So once they got their Series B funding, they reached out um, and I was put on that client to, to help them Um, filled that role so yeah yeah, that's that's how the role came about
0: what seemed to be a simple hire was about to become a very tricky one what were the initial steps and what help did april get in terms of support
1: yeah so as i was saying what was tricky about it was the hiring manager but I'll, i'll get into that and and we can debunk on that one
0: yeah. Was there any sort of, let's say, when you started early on, any key elements or advice that you got before engaging into the search?
1: Yeah. So I got the job. I got the jobs back um, before I actually went to go meet with the client. So as always, once I got the briefing, I had a look at the company and I looked at their website, also saw, looked at the Glassdoor reviews as well. Um just to get a real understanding of their company culture and the type of person they could be looking for, just based on the job spec that they um, gave to me. Um, and what was actually really good with with the client at the beginning was when I first met with them, they had given me literally their kind of competencies that they were looking for in the person, which would have helped me when I was actually screening candidates um, to be able to know exactly what the hiring manager wanted. So I guess all this stuff a recruiter needs to really find the right person was handed over to me at the beginning. So when I first thought of the role, I thought, well, I'm a HR person, I have a network, so this is going to be smooth. Um, Later on, did I realize that that was a lie? (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I suppose everything seemed all right. I mean, the role starts, kicks off, and you got all of the information I mean on paper right you got all the information that you need you got some advice so you're ready to go and you start searching what were the early days like of the search like any sort of small bits or challenges that you started to notice
1: yeah so the first thing I did was you know, agreed with the hiring manager kind of timelines as when I would get him a short list of um, candidates to review.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: after we had our first meeting, I went I went to my network and I started pulling out really what were well, what I thought were really good people that would be aligned with what he was looking for. Um, so I compiled a list of about 10, 15 people and shared it with him. And immediately when I shared that list with him, I shared, you know, the LinkedIn profile um, and the company that they worked, were working for. And what he immediately picked out were the companies. Mm, he was okay. like, he wants somebody, he, kn- he knows that company, he knows someone in that company. Um, so, yep, yeah, he wants to speak to that person, that person, that person. And this was before he had even looked at their profile. He was only looking at the companies that they had worked for. Interesting. And then I wow. thought, oh, um, there, there's a red flag there. You're, you're looking for, you know, the companies that they work for versus the experience that they have. This is going to be yeah. tricky. Mm, um, wow. So that's when I started to realise that uh, this is not going to be smooth sailing as I thought it was going to be. Um, so, yeah, that's where it started.
0: Yeah, it's funny because when, I mean, I've had hiring managers that would do that also. And then you got to think, wait, but are not we looking for a skill set more and a person, right? More than we're looking for certain companies or backgrounds, but also when they mentioned, okay, I want people from A, B, and C companies, then your pool of candidates automatically shrinks to the, the smallest size possible because then it's like okay you gave me a list of 10 companies that's technically yeah. 10 people that can do yeah. the, the job that you want I can reach out to them in 10 minutes and then what you know I mean okay then then it gets a bit tricky because okay so we gotten through these people and now what
1: yeah and, and you know also it's it, at that point, it just makes me feel like that's something that you could have done yourself. Then, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so what? What? What do you really need me for? Is it just for me to do your admin, or are you actually? wanting my skill set to help you find the right person for your company and if that's the case then the way you're going about it might you might not get the best results because i can reach out to the people like you said within 10 minutes um first of all they've actually got to want to work with you yeah <laughs> and second of all they've actually got to want to leave the company that they're working at um, there's a reason why you like the company they're working at and they probably <laughs> also like the reason the same reason you like yeah. them Working at that company is probably the same reason they're working there as well. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a bit of a tricky one. Um, but yeah, I find that definitely a red flag.
0: Was there, was there a specific reason why the hiring manager was keen on these specific companies and more on that approach of, OK, I want people from A, B and C companies?
1: Yeah, um, for him, it was about his network. Um, right. And knowing that if he was to get a HR director, as he called the role initially, um, from those kind of companies, it will put him on par with um, his his fellow um, people in his network. Yeah. Um, so I felt at that point it was more of a you know a game versus actually getting the right skill set to help your company um, grow. You were trying to be competitive. Um and yeah. yes, sometimes you want to be competitive, but let's go about it the right way.
0: That's interesting. Um, well, to to be fair, a lot of times, okay, maybe that's like a referral type approach, right? Oh, I know someone at these companies, let's yeah. reach out to them. And the benefits of that is that you can get good culture fits there. But yeah. on the flip side, and this is one thing that I I read somewhere, but the risk of going with referrals is that you sort of maybe diminish diversity a little bit there, because let's say if the hiring, like if the hiring manager is let's say, uh, uh, you know, let's say a a British male, um, then who would they know most, most likely, Oh, middle-aged, you know, white males potentially. And then it's also like, okay, your network, you're bringing in people from your network. Good. But, um, uh, not in our in anyone's network, they mostly know people that are very similar to them, right, and if yeah. not in sort of appearance uh, a lot of times in their way of thinking, right so oh we I know you know in my network a lot of people think similarly, so I bring people that are very similar
1: yeah, a hundred percent and and I think that that is something that um I've seen a lot of hiring managers do, and then what's funny is that later on they turn around and say. We're not as diverse as we could be.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, no, of course not. Because, like you said, you're you're shopping in the same shop that all your other friends are shopping in. So, yeah. of course, you're not going to have a different product from a, from another from another place if you've never tried to, you know, shopping in another place. So, it's about opening up and actually thinking what is the best skill set that I need for this role to get me to X and then start from there versus saying, I've got a network. I'm just going to tap into this network to find anybody Um, because they may not even really be engaged with what you're doing. They may be, you know, a good culture fit, but they may not be the right person for the role. So yeah. And I think there needs to be a more diverse approach there.
0: April's most difficult moment came when she presented a great candidate that interviewed, with the hiring manager the candidate felt the interview went great but the hiring manager thought very differently
1: yeah so um like i said i sent sent him that list and he kind of highlighted who he wanted um so the one key person that he wanted i actually reached out to them and they were very keen to to meet with him so they did, and I thought, okay, this is too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to close a role in a week. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to AIDS. <laughs> HR director, i will a role in a week. Anyway, he we met with her, and, and then I asked after, after after they had their meeting, I had a coffee, uh, it was a recruiter coffee Ooh, <laughs> yeah. with the candidate. <laughs> Um, and I sat down with her and I asked her, you know, how did she feel that the interview went? And she said, "Yeah, it was really great. She really liked meeting him." And I thought, this, this is just a match made in heaven. You yeah, know, this yeah, is this is his network,
0: yeah.
1: company, etc. Anyway, when I called the hiring manager to get feedback, his feedback was completely different from uh, what the candidate said.
0: Yeah, actually
1: like, ah, Okay. <sighs> Um where do we go from here? So at that moment I was like, Oh, this is this is gonna be a tricky one. So then immediately after that, he had another meeting with another candidate that was not from one of the companies that he had highlighted, but I encouraged him to meet with her. And he met with her and she goes, Yeah, she's great. It's just she's not from the background that I'm looking for. Yeah. And I thought, ah. And again that candidate actually liked speaking with him. And funny enough, that was actually the candidate he ended up, ended up going with, um, which I'll get into that later. But at that point, when he had met somebody from a company that he uh, was really keen on um, and said no, and he met someone from a different company that he was not so keen on but knew that she had the skill set, I was just stuck. I was like, so what do I give you? Do I continue to push candidates that I think is good for you and we have a friction? Um, or do I continue to just go with the list that you like and you just keep telling me no? Um, yeah. So I really had a tough weekend after that <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how am I going to make this work? Because actually the the candidate that he was really keen on was also keen on the role as well. And she was actually interviewing with quite a few places. So I was really keen to push her through the process as quickly as possible um, and get him on side first, which was more important, um, before I lost her to to another role. So, yeah, that weekend was really tough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so if I understand correctly he he didn't like the people coming from the target companies, but the people not coming from target companies he kind of did like, but he was still like, yeah, but they don't come from x y and Z companies,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly, so you know his final feedback to me on that meet that meeting on Friday uh before the weekend was. If you, if I could just find candidates from target companies that he is looking at, and that have the skill set of the candidates that don't come from the companies that he's looking at, that would be great.
0: Yeah. I was like, what?
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, but I'm giving you these candidates, and you're telling me no. So, I, I, what, what do you want me to do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's that a tricky kind of one.
1: So that 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 was what was tricky. And I guess with with that project, what was really tricky was when do I push back on mm, him yeah. as a hiring manager? Um, and when do I put my foot down and say, actually, no, you you should meet with this person.
0: April's first breakthrough moment came when she got candid.
1: The time where I had to put my foot down and push back was when I spoke to the candidate. And she said she'd just received an offer from uh, a company that's actually in the industry that she works in. So Mm. she had accepted the offer. And I was like, no, 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 you can't do this to me.
0: Verbal Um, verbal acceptance.
1: Verbal acceptance. And she was waiting for the contract to come through. Mm. So I quickly got on the phone to the hiring manager and I said, look, if you really like her, um, she's just accepted an offer with this company. Um, that's in her industry um, so she's arts to be withdrawn from this process so this is an opportunity for you to actually really be honest with yourself and say if you think her skill set is going to help you guys grow and get to where you need to be um, have another discussion with her yeah. but where we were in the interview process is that they only had one meeting so he wow. wanted her to have me two three other Um, managers before making an offer so in a space of 48 hours I had to turn it around (laughs) she even got to a point where she was like well I've just accepted this role and it's flexible and it's good for me and my family and I was like yeah I know but do you you really like this company and this is what they can offer you Um, so there was a lot of negotiating back and forth which was just a nightmare but eventually got to a point where I i had spoken to both the hiring manager and i had spoken to the candidate and i said be honest with yourselves what do you actually want from this role and what happened is that they actually reviewed the role and adapted it to fit her skill set and actually what she wanted and what the wow. company needed at that time um, so i was actually quite happy that i put my foot down and said no I, yeah, you I know you guys like each other. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was, yeah. I was yeah. Saying, Look, I know you guys like each other, but you know it's just like playing Cupid. You're looking at the skeletons in his closet. You're looking at the skeletons in her closet, and you're saying, yeah. oh, "I don't know if I really want to make this a match." <laughs> but <laughs> but debunking all that stuff is saying, "Okay, right, she's not from the industry that." you were keen on at the beginning but actually she's got experience in x y z and those are your key objectives um, post your funding so why can't that be a match there and then speaking to the candidate and saying I know you're looking for x y and z for your next role but if I have a discussion with um, the hiring manager and they are flexible in making that change would you be willing to have a further discussion with the other managers in the company and I said look ultimately it's about what you both want and if you both really think that you can take this then let's have a discussion let's see how we can adapt this role to move forward yeah um and yeah it 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 happened and I was like wow okay um sometimes it's good it's good to push back and and,
0: yeah
1: but for the right reasons so I mean I could have pushed any other candidate through the process but I knew that if I tried to push any other candidate in the process, they would either leave within six months or wouldn't even sign the contract when it comes through. And then you're back to square one. And that's every recruiter's nightmare.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you you know, the role is not done and dusted until the person started, really.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Them signing the contract is great confirmation, but the real confirmation is when they've actually done their first day and you're like, okay, no, you're in in.
0: She managed to turn everything around and schedule four stages in 48 hours. So the deal is done and the candidate signed, right? Well, if only recruitment was that simple. And uh, so then they they make an offer um, and the candidate decides, you know what? I'm going to accept
1: oh well this is where it gets even more tricky <laughs> so, okay I was like wait I was like wait what there's
0: more there's more, no, what?
1: There's, more. There's, there's, there's more right <laughs> so <laughs> so she's spoken to um the other managers within this 48 hour window um she's also got the contract from her other company as well I'm sitting there waiting for her to review um and this company that I was working with also sent her a contract as well. Um, and I remember this day so clearly. I was working from home and I had gone out for lunch with my friend. And literally, as I had just finished lunch and I was getting the bill, she sent me a, te- a text message and saying, hi, can I quickly speak with you? And I thought, that's never a good sign when a candidate just receives yeah. their contract. And I could... Can I speak with you. And it was a text, not an email. So I thought,
0: oh no. Please <laughs> let this be just to say hi, you know? Like, yeah,
1: please <laughs> just let this be. Like, you're just you're just checking something on the contract. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. rushed to my car because I was like, this, this, this is gonna be an intense conversation. I was like, hi, how are you? How, how are you doing? And she's like, Yeah, I'm fine. Um, so I've reviewed the contract. I was like, oh mm-hmm. god, that's never the best sentence to start with yeah. and she said you know, she's spoken to her partner and she really likes the company but she feels like she needs she's going to go for the first role mm. uh that she had initially accepted before speaking to these guys within a 48 hour window and my heart just dropped I was like no way no way did you make me just work 48 hours <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and actually tell me that that's the role that you um you're gonna go with the first role, and I said, "Okay, that that's fine. I mean, I can't I can't push something that um, you don't want. Can I understand why? Um, because obviously, at this moment in time, I'm gonna to have to give um, the hiring manager feedback as to why you know you were keen on it and no longer keen on it. Um, and obviously, this will help me understand who I need to actually recruit for the kind of person." that would suit this role better so so give me constructive feedback what made you uh, question and she said it's it's nothing but she just felt like the first role suited her more but also the fact that this role wouldn't allow her to be flexible in terms of the kind of projects that she can get involved in um and in terms of where she could grow in her career so I said okay that's fine mm-hmm. in my head I was thinking I mean you should have known this when you were having this conversation <laughs> <laughs> I at the beginning but hey ho yeah. uh, so at that point I, asked, I was like right okay what is the role that you're going for actually offering you in terms of career progression and in terms of these projects that you feel will help you get there so she started to go in delving deeper about the the projects that they're that she'll be leading on and how it will help with her career progression, XYZ. I said, right, OK, that, that's great. Um, so I said, OK, you know, if that's the role you've decided to go for, I wish you all the best. And I, I put the phone down and we parted ways.
0: But as you might have noticed, April is not exactly the type of person that knows when to give up. She had one less card up her sleeve and decided to use emotional intelligence and her HR background to fill the role and wrap it up.
1: I was driving home. I was like, "No, no, 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 no! I can still turn this around. I, I know I can do it." So I, before I reached out to the hiring manager, I spoke to my manager actually and got her feedback on it. And she said, "Yeah, no, speak to the hiring manager. See if um he can accommodate what she's actually looking for." So I called the hiring manager and I said, "Look, this is what she's looking for. These are the kind of projects that she would like to work on." Um, that she feels that will help with her career progression. And he said, like, look, he's got another, he's got portfolios in within his um, business that she could actually work on if she's really interested in that. So they could, you know, split the role 80-20, where she'll work 80% on the actual role and 20% on his other portfolios. And um, that would help with her career progression. And I said, great. I said, yeah. that's it, hit it on the nail. Um, so I actually got them both to have a discussion about it. I said, Look, let me just um, arrange a call for both of you guys to have this discussion because I can no longer be the middle man. I don't I can sell it as well as you would as a hiring manager. Um, so I got them on the call and she called me back straight after the call and said, yeah, I'm going to accept, I'm going to sign the contract now. And all this time I was sitting in my car, and I was like, "Oh!" So if I hadn't done the final, final, final push, you wouldn't have signed. Like you're really making yeah. work role. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And this was, I would say, now she would have been working with the company nearly a year now, and she's still there. Um. So I'm quite happy. I never, I never stopped at it. Yeah. But I would say sometimes when, you, when you know that they both will be good for each other. They're just being stubborn, push. But if yeah. you know that it's just not going to work, then there's no need to push. You, you just need to let it go and 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 find someone else for the role. So I guess this is where emotional intelligence comes into play. And I think this is where my HR background really helped me fill this role. It was applying that emotional intelligence and saying, actually, you can do everything you want in this role. And you yeah. know you work with this company. I, I just got to find a way to sell it to you um, and make, and give you the time to actually think for yourself really. Um, so yeah, I guess candid really came into play there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, it took a lot of grit, a lot of um, determination and not giving up. Right. I mean, at a, at a lot of stages, other recruiters would have said, you know what, this is too much. This is, I'm just going to source other candidates. She, I mean, the whole story with you had to book four, four interviews in 48 hours. I mean, yeah. anyone else would have been like, um, I'm just going to go source for more CVs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the I'm, easy I'm, way out and just source for more CVs. You know what? Um,
1: I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't blame them. And honestly, um, I got to that point where I was just like, look, I've got other candidates that I think would be more suited for the role. And I think this is where sometimes you have to keep at it and there's some roles where it, it's played out like that and I've just gone no this is not going to work and just mm-hmm. cut my losses but when you know that the hiring manager's just been stubborn mm. <laughs> that's where the sales side of you as a recruiter comes into play um, and knowing that they both could work well together they just didn't know how and I think that was the important bit in in that challenge was they could work together they had the right skill sets that you know company culture everything they just worked well it's just that they didn't know how they could work well that will benefit both parties um and that's what I saw and that's what I worked on but in terms of other roles look if 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 the hiring manager just doesn't feel it then you just go okay cool i'm just gonna sort out the candidates yeah here you go but if you know that there is something there but it's how they could work together effectively then i would say take a little time out to explore that um explore it as much as you can and then if you know that you know you've knackered out all your options then yeah move on
0: i asked april what does it take to keep pushing forward in spite of rejected offers tricky hiring managers and tough candidates
1: yeah, I mean, me being candid, it cost me a lot in um, bottles of wine. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. like every night after the office, I was like, well, I'm going to go up Co-op and I'm going to buy myself a big Moscato because this doesn't make sense. It just didn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Um, so as well as, you know, buying a few bottles here and there, it cost me sleepless nights. It It cost yeah. me... It made me actually question. And that's where imposter syndrome really kind of came in and, and played a part there. Because oh. I was really questioning myself, like, wait, am I good at what I do? Do I know what I'm doing? Yeah. Or am I just been winging it all this time? Like, surely I know how to influence a hiring manager. Surely I know how to hire ahead of people. Surely I can do this. I have hired before and I've done it many times and I've got it right. What am I doing wrong here? There was yeah. some meeting with the hiring manager. I'm going to be honest. I was just like a little child crumbling in front of the principal. That's how I <laughs> felt. Like <laughs> you're sitting no. there and the hiring manager is now telling you how to do your job. That you leave the, the, the meeting room and you're like, maybe I don't know how to do my job.
0: <laughs> wow that's
1: insane i mean it, it it took a lot and i think at that point i was like yeah maybe maybe i you know hit the most difficult challenge in recruitment maybe it's time i i retire from recruitment yeah. um but of course i didn't i, I continued <laughs> yeah in, in all honesty i think i think as recruiters some of us do feel imposter syndrome when we we when we faced with challenges like that like do i actually know what i'm doing or am i just winging it
0: April learned two valuable lessons in order to improve as a town professional the first one have a backup plan
1: what it taught me is that actually I, I know i can do it i just need to take time yeah um and as a recruiter there's a pressure of you know finding candidates and making sure you've always got someone in the pipeline yeah. so i continued as much as as i could to have a healthy pipeline. So I was still screening candidates. I was still talking to potential people and I had backup plans. And I think that's yeah. what I learned through the process is just because I've, I've got somebody and I think I can, I can push it through always have a backup because like this person, for example, was very unstable. So mm. if I didn't manage to get them through the process, I would have had a backup plan behind.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so Yeah. I think that's that's the biggest lesson I learned is to have a backup plan.
0: And the second one, take your time during the offer stage. Yeah, and <laughs> I and I
1: think, you know, in the recruitment process, I think the hardest bit is the offer stage. I think yeah. the the sourcing bit is is, you know, the easy bit um for me anyway. Mm, yeah, so it's sort of easier interview. It's just like okay, this is where uh, your project management skills come into play, and you're you know you're you're doing the admin stuff, and you're you're connecting people. The hardest bit is going right. You have had all these conversations. How do I close the deal? And that's where your negotiation side really comes out, yeah. and that's the most tough bit, especially if you've got a candidate that is like so hot in the market right now, and they're speaking to other potential employers and you're like now now I've got competition when I first spoke to you no competition now you're telling me I have competition Uh, great what do I do now
0: (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) that's where the sleepless nights come into play. So I think you know recruiters don't get as much credit as they should it is a tough role it's so tough because you you know as much as you're put putting people through the pipeline and you're getting them to interview stage you also got to remember that that could fall by the wayside at some point so you've got to have a backup plan but how do you keep the candidates still engaged and not have them just waiting kind of like backstage almost yeah um so it's how do you balance being honest but also having a, a healthy pipeline just in case something falls short at the
0: at the front um so yeah it's it's
1: it's a tough gig man it's a
0: tough gig well you cracked this one and you you placed an amazing head of people the client i'm sure was was very happy to to have this person in especially after all that effort
1: yeah i felt like they definitely paid they definitely paid for my services (laughs) Um, they paid a bit more (laughs) Um, but yeah it, it was I'm happy that I I took the time. I'm happy I took the time um, yeah. to get it over the line.
0: Now, just to just to wrap up. So, April, what's next for you over the next few weeks, months? A Bit more of of, of candid, a few more episodes, a few more webinars.
1: Yeah. So, in you know, the next couple of weeks and months, it's all about candid. It's all about supporting. Um, people through this tough time Um, as I said before as lockdown is easing a lot of companies are now either returning back to work or there are people that are now looking for new roles so Canada is there to support you through that journey whatever route you're taking Um, so there'll be a lot of webinars coming out there'll be a lot more podcasts Mm. um, with special guests as well I am also working on a podcast with a really cool brand. I can't mention them just yet, Um, but really excited um, to actually be featured on that podcast. It'll be coming out, I think, in October.
0: Oh, wow. You got stuff planned all the way till October. My God, man. Yeah. I've got stuff
1: planned actually till January, so uh, Boris shouldn't lock us down, actually. (laughs) I'll be really upset. Um, but yeah that that podcast with that brand I will be speaking with other leading experts in the field of recruitment and HR um and it's almost like a HR agony aunt slash uncle kind of vibe okay. um so really excited for that one so yeah guys follow me on Instagram at we are candid and also on LinkedIn April Georgia Williams and stay tuned for more candid stuff
0: absolutely for the listeners you can find the links to april's candid program in the episode uh, description and april it was so amazing speaking with you it was really fun and i think we i learned a few things from from listening to that story that was just a roller coaster (laughs)
1: yeah and i think if people were like if you were in the office at the same time i was and you look back to probably last year around this time yeah. and I was looking stressed, you know why.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> awesome. So yeah, it, it was great. It was great catching up with you and, and being featured on this podcast. I think what you're doing is great. Um, yeah, coffee with Kruta. I wish I had a coffee today, but it is a cold glass of water.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Same here. I'll have a I'll still have a coffee. Maybe an iced coffee, but but Ooh. but still. It was truly amazing catching up with April and finding out more about her background and podcasting projects. You can find social media links to connect with her in the episode description. If you liked this episode and don't forget to subscribe or follow, thanks again and stay safe.